Welcome back to Foster Care, an unparalleled journey with Jason and Amanda Palmer, where our mission is providing strength to the weakest among us, from both kids in foster care and their biological families. We also talk about topics that affect all children and families. It is our hope that we can inspire you to become the best bio, step, foster, adoptive, or whatever kind of mom or dad that you can be. Part of our mission is inspiring others to become amazing foster families as well, if that is your calling. If it's not your calling, great. Find a thing that sets your soul on fire and go be awesome at that. Let's make our communities great together. Be sure to go by Jason M. Palmer and check out the blog post and other podcast episodes. You can search Jason and Amanda Palmer on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else you get your podcast. If we don't show up, be sure to send me an email and let me know and I will try to get it on there. We'd love to have you leave us some feedback in the form of a rating and review. It really helps the show gain attention. Hello, and welcome back to Foster Cow and Unpella Journey with Jason and Amanda. And today we have Sean with us. Sean and his wife, Charlene, are adoptive parents. Sean is a student of life, and I met him in a group we're in together called the Dad Edge Alliance. Sean is part of the Dad Edge leadership there and a self-prescribed California surfer dude. We came in, we, we got together and talking about foster care and adoption, and I found out that he had adopted a daughter and had a story to tell about that. That's one of the things that, that we really like to talk about over here is the story behind the adoption, because adoption is not, it's not the same for any two people. And Sean's story is definitely different. Um, fortunately, Charlene couldn't be with us today. She's out having fun in Las Vegas. So we are just going to be sitting here with us and him today talking. How are you doing today, Sean? Doing good, thanks. Doing good, thanks. Yourselves? Oh, man. If we were any finer, we'd be frog hair. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. (laughs) At least that's what an old man told me once, and I like to just go with that. (laughs) It feels good. I'm going to roll with that as a good thing. (laughs) Frog hair is mighty fine, I'm told. Although... For being a little boy once, I was never one to mess with frogs. They always wanted to pee on me. <laughs> I remember catching them, but that's about all. <laughs> My mom used to always tell us we get warts, and that, that had me terrified as a kid. I was going to be the kid with a handful of warts. <laughs> oh, man, the things we learned in our childhood. Oh. oh, yeah. And now we get to pass on and warp our little kids' minds. Oh, yes. Amen. <laughs> So I met I met you in the uh, the Dad Edge group and found out that you guys had adopted your daughter and we were talking and you told me that you know the because the big question I like to ask people is why like what's your reason for for wanting to do foster care or adoption because I think most people have this idea in their head that somehow or another there's some kind of money involved in both of those and where there is money involved in both of those it's usually money going the opposite direction as to what most people think. You know, I don't know. You live in San Diego, California, right? Correct. I don't know what the foster care reimbursement rates are in San Diego. I promise you they are higher than they are in Missouri. Because in the great state of Missouri, we are ranked either 49th or 50th. I think we're the lowest or second lowest state in the nation as far as how much they reimburse you for the cost of fostering a child. So if you're trying to foster kids for money in Missouri, you are doing it all wrong, I promise. You have to do it for the love of it. And if, you, if you're if you adopting a kid, you know, the, 
the amount of money that takes over time. That's, that's crazy. My wife and I looked at, looked at, um, adopting, uh, an internet, doing an international adoption at one point. And wow, I was shocked at the amount of money that that was going to cost us. It was, it was close to 30 grand at the time for the, for the ones we looked at. And I don't, I don't know what it is today, but I know that you and your wife adopted your daughter through a private agency. And I bet you they didn't pay you a whole lot of money to do it. Wow. Um, in fact, they didn't pay us anything. As you mentioned earlier, it went right out the other way. Um, <laughs> and we had, uh, and, and I'll add to that, we were rather fortunate in we met a few people around the same time that adopted children right around the same time we did. And some of those were international adoptions. And in fact, one of them was a Russian adoption that didn't happen because it got cut off due to the political circumstances. Now, this is about, what, seven, eight years ago. Uh, and wow. they lost a lot of money when that occurred. Well, I bet. I bet. So if they're yeah, not they're, paying you to do it, why in the world did you want to do it? The, the short answer is my wife and I wanted to have kids. And we were unable. We went down the path, the fertility path. And after about, oh boy, a number of years, I think we, we were almost five years in, down the fertility path. And it just, nothing worked out for us. Uh, my wife had uh, five pregnancies during that process. And we wa- lost eight little souls. So wow. that was, yeah, um, it was hard. It was hard. Uh, that was when we we turned to adoption. Although there's a there's a neat story behind that because while we were in the fertility process towards towards what became the end, um, we were just flipping through the TV channels one night and came across uh, a home for the holidays. That uh, that's like a light bulb going off. I mean, that was just amazing. She's crying. I'm crying. Um, I think there were millions of people crying watching that show. And that really opened our eyes to the possibility of adoption. Now, that's the, that's a movie put out by the Dave Thomas Foundation, isn't it? Correct. It's a holiday special by the Dave Thomas Foundation. Uh, it's a tearjerker. Uh, cannot recommend, if you're looking at that, getting involved, reaching out to them. Uh, just a fantastic organization. Uh, but that was our that was a, I would say our tipping point really to look towards adoption, and it opened our eyes and realizing how much adoption had touched our lives without us recognizing that. That's very true. That's one of the things that surprised me. And the Dad Edge Alliance is a group on Facebook, and that we're in. And there's a lot of guys that I've connected with in there who, when I put a single post up about guys whose lives have been touched by foster care adoption. I was amazed at the number of guys who reached out to me and said things like, you know, either they were adopted, they had adopted a child, they had been in foster care, or they did foster care. I'm, I would be surprised if most people don't know at least one person whose life is touched with that in their personal lives. I think you're spot on. The, the statistics I've heard is one in four. Wow. Um, I, and I, I, I don't really have anything to base that on. It's been thrown around a lot. But I can believe that. I can believe that. Just when when your eyes are opened, you just you become aware. And once you become aware of something, you can't stop seeing it. Yeah, <laughs> that's a hundred percent. Once you once you figure out how much it's out there, everybody starts talking, and you know 
Once a conversation opens up, it's amazing how many people have been affected by it. I'm also surprised at how many people look at it and think it's impossible, think it's not a real thing that's going to affect their life, and, and choose to kind of just to walk without without looking into it and understanding that they could do it. I, I've known a lot of people who who maybe thought that, like we did when I first when I first had looked at adoption. You know, when um when our second son was born, my wife hemorrhaged really bad. And the doctor in his thick Russian accent said basically um, something about doing a partial hysterectomy because she had a floppy uterus or she might die. And so the the answer was pretty clear. Do what you got to do, doc. You know, keep her alive. But, um, you know, we had we couldn't have kids after that. And my wife is the type who would have had a dozen kids if she could have. And so we had eventually kind of looked at adoption and I was really discouraged when I looked up because at the time, this is when China still had the one child policy in effect and the plight of Chinese girls was pretty tear jerking to be able to look at that and go, okay, well let's look at this. And we got to look at it and went, Oh, you need 30 grand. I can't do that. I don't have 30 grand laying around. You know, at the time we were, we hadn't been together that awful long, at least that long enough to be really financially stable. We were young and we were keeping our head above water, but that was about the size of it. And to find out that all these kids are in foster care and the number of kids who are in foster care who are legally available for adoption. And then to find out, I don't know how it is in California, in the state of Missouri, if you adopt through foster care, they cover almost all the cost. It costs you basically nothing. I was like, oh, well, now I can handle that cost. You know, we, we could reach out and help a kid with that. But I can't help a kid with if I need thirty grand to do it. Yeah, we um, we we came to the conclusion that um, I, I'll probably just back up and get get specific on my wife's third pregnancy. Uh, that was a real tipping point for us. Uh, again, we were I, I think adoption. We were looking at it at that point, and um, we went in for her checkup about sixteen weeks. And uh, no one said anything. It was kind of weird. No one really said anything. You know, there were some heartbeats and, and all of that. Uh, then we're let in, hey, we need to talk to somebody. We have an appointment, uh, on and on and on. Um, this geneticist walks in and uh, Australian bloke. And um, we had been warned that he was actually, he could be kind of direct sometimes. But he walks in, he doesn't sit back behind the desk. He sits right on the desks and kind of looks at us. And he just says, you know, I'm going to do a bad accent here. He's all, I don't know how to tell you this. I don't have any good news for you. Um, that, that really changed our uh, directory on everything. Um, we had some difficult decisions to make after that. And we had one more embryo that had been frozen during this fertility process. So I, I'm just going to be open. We prayed about it. We prayed about it. We talked about it. We, uh, you know, we talked to friends, family, you know, our pastor, and we decided to give it one more choice. Well, it turns out that one more choice choice wasn't for us either. And the fertility doctor came in and said, hey, I want you to at least take a break or start rethinking what you're doing. Um, my wife's body had been pretty much wrecked 
uh, she, I mean, she was the drugs she'd blown up 40 pounds. She wasn't feeling good about herself. She was tired. Um, she'd had a few too many surgeries through the process. So it was, it was time to move on. And, uh, again, going back, our mind had been open to adoption. So we decided to go that route. But she asked me specifically to take the lead because she was just too beat down. She had really led the process in the fertility and she was just worn out. But we both still had this incredible desire to be parents. So I made that phone call uh, to our um, <laughs> to our child services here um, for adoption and foster care in San Diego. And I remember so distinctly this call because I don't know anything about it. And this is, uh, this is the first step of the whole process. And I, I'm talking to her. Her name is Julie. I am never going to forget that. And she was a counselor, a uh, social worker. She just happened to be the one that picked up the phone when I called and she was asking about us. Why did we want to be parents? Why do we think we could get involved with the foster system? Why did we think we wanted to adopt? What was our reasoning behind it? Now, our hearts were in shreds and we just wanted to be parents. So much so. Um, sometimes it's really tough to believe that. Like, I really wanted to be a parent that much, you know. When you <laughs> Sorry. I have seven. I know the struggle some days. We all have those days where you're going, I did what for this? <laughs> and then they look up at you and they say, I love you and give you a big hug and whew, everything else disappears. Um, but at that time, uh, Julie and I were, were talking and I explained our situation and I don't know what she just, we just sort of connected and she actually told, was telling me a story and I could hear her kind of breaking up, getting emotional and she literally came out and said, I wish that you two were approved and ready to go because I wouldn't want to place this girl with you. Uh, so this little girl, four years old, uh, what had happened, her father had been, he was in the military and he'd been killed in action uh, a couple of weeks prior. Uh, her mother and the rest of her family had just been in an accident the night before and there was no one left for her. Oh, wow. So sorry, I'm breaking up remembering this. It's that raw. Um, that was when I realized that the foster system and, uh, and the adoption, these kids need parents that want to be parents. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Now, the heart-wrenching story was when I talked to Julie again uh, about getting into the specifics and setting up to do the meets and getting the whole process working. She told us, and, and I'm going to quote her because it's really easy. She said, if there's any way you can do it, go private adoption because you will be the last people on our list who's going to get selected. Why is that? She didn't really say directly, but the ranking they had, and I'm just going to go out and say, you can't be PC when it comes to foster care and adoption. You got the, if you want to be that parent, you got to step out and you got to make some tough decisions and make some difficult calls. 
And you got to look inward as to why you're doing this. What do you want? Um, I'm also going to jump ahead and say, you also got to think about the child and how it's going to fit into the people in your life. You know, that may be other family members, maybe close friends because your community, it's not just you and this child. You're bringing a child into a bigger community and you got to think about them. So that child becomes number one, right? Um, It just had to do with the criteria at the time that we would be unlikely. Uh, With that, um, we've been on this roller coaster of fertility for a number of years. And now we get this. We just, our hearts were, our hearts were broken. Um, But we were, we don't give up. Uh, My wife, that's one of the things I love about her. She never gives up. I don't give up. Uh, So we started looking at private adoption. And that's when we made that decision to look into those options. Wow. That sounds like a, uh, quite a story just to walk through alone. Um, the private adoption journey is that's, that's something we don't know anything about. We've never, we've never looked at the private adoption side of things. We've only dealt with the, uh, our local foster care and, um, you know, foster care system and, and the four kids that we've adopted came through the foster care system. So that's the only side we really know anything about. Um, what was uh what was that like to to step into the private adoption arena well the, i guess the first thing is you have to realize that um the same sort of process occurs in both both the public and the private it's just the order of things may not be the same you know you still got to have your home checkups you still got to have your backgrounds done and things like that but um it, it may not happen in that same, everything else may not happen in that same order. The child being placed a reclaim period, the adoption, um, those things sort of occur differently. And it varies by state. That's what's so amazing. Uh, you have adoption friendly states and you have other states that really are not so friendly. Uh, Florida, Texas, California are actually pretty adoption friendly. Uh, there's some others that it's virtually impossible to adopt. Um, uh, a couple of Midwestern state, which is interesting, but each state has their own thing. That being said, um, I like the way this nurse in Baltimore put it, whose family was uh, looking to adopt the same time we were with the same agency. She said, you're buying a car. It's <laughs> just, <laughs> it just depends on what kind of car you're going to buy. You know, are you getting a Toyota? Are you buying a Mercedes? Are you buying something bigger? Because you're buying a car through this adoption process. Wow. That's, that's an interesting way to look at it. I, I love the way she put it. She just, she just summed it up so well. Um, my wife sometimes gets ticked off when I say, when people say, how's, how does, uh, you know, fertility work? And I said, great. It's like buying a Ferrari, driving it off the lot. It gets totaled, then you realize you don't have insurance. Welcome to the fertility game. Now you've got adoption, you're going to buy another car right after that. But you don't know what kind of car sometimes. So uh, the first process, I guess, beginning with someone to represent you, whether it's an agency or an attorney group for the adoption, uh, there's networks out there and they want to put you in touch with uh, women and young ladies that are ready to, uh, 
offer their child to a family that wants that child. And I'm very specific. I'm not saying give up that child because this is the greatest gift that anyone can possibly ever give somebody. That's the ultimate sacrifice. Exactly. So it really, and, and maybe it's just my pet peeve, but I hate it when people say, oh, you know, someone was given up for adoption or something like that. That's just not right. This is the ultimate, you know, it's just such an incredible gift. You know, but that being said, you know, the process, if I shorten this out is, you know, my wife and I had to create a profile and literally create a brochure to market ourselves as potential parents to, and I'm going to break this down as it was explained to us, to a 16-year-old with an eighth grade education that had an oops moment. Well, I guess that's one way to look at it. That's a tough, um, a tough way to, a uh, tough perspective to try and get into. Yeah, I'm, I'm I, I don't, you know, it, it's like I said, you can't be PC about this. Um, so what you're doing with this profile too is, you know, who are we? You know, who is Sean and Charlene? What do we do? Where do we live? And this is on top of, of all the other things that you go through to get approved by the state. Right now, you know, you're, where they do their you're background check. You're selling yourself. You're selling yourself I'm, I'm sorry. to somebody. <laughs> you know, you got to sell it, you know, and that's got to be really difficult. You you're, know, how you're you... almost your own marketing agent there. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's why you go through an agency. So these agencies, basically, they're trying to match people up. And it's interesting because the agencies, um, they want to have a high success rate. So they've got their, you know, they know who their market is. So they want to make sure they get people that fit in their market. So in fact, one of the, one of the top rated agencies, uh, in California and one that was recommended to us personally by a couple people had gone through, they didn't want anything to do with us. Every, everyone was shocked. Yeah. I mean, well, did they give you a reasoning? Never gave us a reason. Um, it was almost to the to the point of when we tried to talk to them, it was almost to the point of rudeness. And, I, you know, it, it uh, you know, first you get upset, right? Because it's like, what's going on? We seem like we'd be a pretty good, we'd be okay. But then you realize maybe we didn't fit the profile. Okay, my wife's a redhead. When I had hair, I was a redhead too. Maybe they don't deal with redheads. And that's okay. You know, it's just their thing. They know their market. Uh, but one of the things that I did was I actually went online and pretended to be a 16-year-old girl that was pregnant. Um, I don't know if I did very well, but I was able to find a lot of agencies that way. Oh, wow. That's an interesting way to approach yeah. it. I would not have thought of that. <laughs> I can only so, imagine anyway. they were a little bit disappointed when they saw your picture, though. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think I look that good there. Uh, a sixteen-year-old girls go, "You're kind of ugly, man." No offense, but none taken. Like I said, it's, <laughs> you can't be PC with this stuff. Just doesn't work. <laughs> but well, what that did was that gave me a lot of different agencies to look at, and but then you start coming up with the same ones uh, and talking to people talking to people in different groups, talking with our, our church, uh, selectively at work, 
but just getting the word out and what was going on. And then recommendations started, started happening. Uh, but again, you're trying to find an agency that's going to represent you to, to a market that where you're going to have success. Cause obviously the agency wants to keep their high success rate and you want to have success because by the time you're into this, you're going to be at least $30,000 down the hole, if not more. Wow. You know, for a chance to do, you know, for a chance at nothing, you know, that's not guaranteed. Wow. And I thought my $30,000 to looking at uh, Chinese girls was a lot of money. <laughs> it, uh, in, in fact, the, uh, another couple, um, our daughters are best friends. They're more like, they're, they're more like siblings than anything else. This is funny. Uh, born two weeks apart both adopted uh the other family went down the route with uh with a russian adoption they had gone to russia come back and were to go pick up the child when they were told everything was off at that point they had well over fifty thousand dollars invested in this whole process plus travel that's amazing wow that's all because of geopolitics. Correct. Wow. It's amazing how much, it, you know, the, the things that do affect it. You know, you're looking at, at things like the, the political the political state of, of, you know, U.S. versus whatever country you're looking at and all the, all the different pieces that you can't have no control over. There's so many different pieces. It's amazing, um, which is also why the agencies are so important or the adoption attorneys, you know, they have associations and they've, they've got their contacts and everything they work with. Uh, you know, unlike again, the, the foster care kind of gets what they kind of get what they get is my understanding. And it works from there. Um, these agencies, it's sort of the same thing, but again, they're going out and they're marketing, they're marketing to these ladies, these young girls, uh, that have gotten pregnant to work with them. Wow. Yeah, I mean, so so what was it like for you guys, you know, when you finally found the agency that was able to to start placing you? It was um it was it was it was really neat. We 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 narrowed down to about two agencies pretty quickly. And again, some profiles we didn't fit, just some, you know, it's like shopping for anything. Some didn't really gel with us. Uh and what the tipping point was was just talking to the caseworkers at the agency. You know, we connected, we hit a, um, we hit a stride. We had this, you know, that was the best thing. We had this connection and it worked. My wife felt comfortable. She felt happy as she put it. She just wanted some handholding because of everything else we'd been through. And she got the handholding. Uh, so that was really a wonderful, a wonderful step when we connected. Now, when we got the contract, that was good and fine and very well until he got to that bottom line where you got to write the check. And, and then uh, it was, oh, fill in your expletive there. I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but what was neat is, you know, th- these people are professionals, right? We've, we've only done, we're only doing this once in our life maybe twice if we're lucky. 
but these people, they live in it. So you got to trust the professionals here. And they walked us through what we needed to do. Uh, we needed to get a profile. We have a brochure. It's about eight pages of us and who we are, where we live, what we do. Uh, it's not super specific on where you live. Um, so it's kind of hard to go back to you, but it's a glossy brochure. So, you know, you can say, Hey, take a look at me. At the time, videos were just starting to happen. Uh, I remember looking at the videos and all of the couples were basically sitting on a couch and talking. And that was fine because you got a feel for them, but that's not who my wife and I are. So we just started collecting videos from our phones of everything from us driving in the cars at Disneyland to walking on the beach to uh, I think there's even one where I'm rolling my eyes at her um, because she's... <laughs> complaining about my music's too loud or something <laughs> <laughs> now we just now want- a few years from now when when your daughter brings that up about you know eyes rolling because the music's too loud <laughs> guilty <laughs> <laughs> and that already happens on occasion i just <clears throat> <laughs> i own a teenager and his room is directly above this office and more times than I can count, I've had I've been down here trying to record something, and I'm sitting here texting him, "Turn it down! I can hear your music in my microphone, a floor below you." <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I mean, my daughter is only six, but it's like there's a time and a place for everything. It's called college. You're not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. When the campus police come and tell you to turn it down, then you have to listen. Here. <laughs> Yeah, a little different. Yeah. Uh, How long yeah, did this process so, take for you guys? Now, the oh boy, um, we were about 22 months before we were placed. Uh, most most process uh, most of the time, it's usually about 18 months. And I, I bring that up for a reason because this is something we learned we learned early on about how. And I'm just going to say messed up this process can be. Right? Uh, fingerprinting. Everyone's got to be fingerprinted for that background check. Yep. Now, that's one of the things that gets done in the private adoption after you've pretty much started your marketing campaign. Right? Uh, you want to get that going at least at the same time or ahead of time because that takes a lot of time. Getting the background check, you got to do the information, fill out the forms, get your fingerprints. Well, Fingerprints in California are only good for 12 months. The average placement is 18 months. So, I, you know, we don't have to be math wizards here to figure out that this really isn't good. Then you tack on that the average background check and getting the preparation is somewhere between three and six months for most people. So no matter what you do, you're stuck getting fingerprinted at least twice. Now, that, that doesn't sound quite so bad because that's survivable. But in our county, the county didn't talk to the feds and the feds didn't talk to the state. So none of them accepted each other's fingerprints. So oh, what that, that means is, easy, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you go into live scan and they end up billing you three times, but they only have to scan you once because they send them off in the different directions and the different <laughs> forms. Yes, I understand the struggle. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really, really. Uh, I, I mean, that's the process in a nutshell. We haven't gotten into the interesting stuff. And 
that's where you begin. Right, everybody's going to make their dollar. You start doing everything in triplicate. It reminds me of the old school military. Every, Hurry up and wait. Yep, everything's <laughs> done in triplicate. And uh, <laughs> and we're going to use carbon paper for it, too, just to make it more challenging for you. Oh, that's it. That's it. Uh, but I'll tell you, this process, once we got rolling, it was um, the toughest part was waiting. Uh, was waiting because you've got your brochure. It's out. You've got your background check. That's out. Um, your Your challenge is really what are you going to do? Because this is where, this is where individuals really learn who they are. Because you want that child so bad. You want to be a parent so bad. But there's nothing you can do. So I want to give incredible kudos to a lot of the agencies out there that provide uh, support during that time. And a lot of it revolved around things to be good parents because it's coming up. Things you could learn that you may not know. But a big bulk of it was keeping yourself active and busy during that wait. Because if you can imagine, if you're focusing on nothing, but I'm not getting any any activity on my profiles, uh, it's harsh. That's that's a big downer. Um, that could really lead to some, you know, you can have some negative feelings. It's, it's, it's a sad situation. Likewise, uh, we ha- if you're keeping busy with that on the positive aspect of everything coming up, I mean, not only are you going to connect with people that are in basically the same boat as you are, uh, you know, you're going to meet new people, but you're also going to learn something about what's coming up for you. And I'm convinced now that no one can tell you what it's like to be a parent until you are one, but at least you have an inkling of, of what's coming forward. Well, Sean, it sounds like the journey is, is a real challenging place. Did you find any, any good resources or people or groups to, to be in along the way? Well, this was, um, you, you know, it was kind of funny because we, uh, the good agencies actually put people together that are going through the process. And I, I can't speak for the foster systems, but there's, there's definite support groups through the agencies. Uh, so my wife and I were literally on a weekly call. Um, and we'd have a webinar at least once a, once a month. Um, again, this is a few years back. Uh, what it really did was it connected us and realized that we're not alone in this journey. And we met some incredible people. Uh, and what was so cool about some of it was, you know, my wife and I are from Southern California. You know, we own it. We revel in it. <laughs> we'll take the abuse that comes with that. <laughs> and, you know, and we both grew up in the beach areas. So take it for what it's worth. But we got to connect with people that we would otherwise never, ever run across in our, in our lives. Like I remember with, um, this is going to sound crazy talking with the pig farmer from Iowa. I freaking love this guy and his wife. And I prayed for them to, to be connected with the child to get matched up so much. Uh, I would just never, ever, I mean, it, it, it just, they would never cross our paths. We would never cross theirs, but we had that connection. And I think that's what was so wonderful and kept us sane through this whole process. Because all you're hoping at this is to get matched up with someone that again is, wants you to be the parents of the child that they're going to give birth to. That's heavy. <clears throat> that, that's real heavy, you know. 
figuring out how to how to be matched up with a person and a child and to gain that trust and respect from another person. Well, it's it's difficult because most of the most of the parents, um, you know, again, there's some reason behind why we're going to the adoption and in some cases, the foster route. Why are we doing it? In our case, it was the fertility issues. Uh, in a lot of cases, it was fertility issues. In two cases that we know about, it was because of, uh, of actually mental issues. The, the potential mothers were concerned about the struggles with postpartum depression. They had gone through depressive episodes before, and they were concerned what would happen. So they didn't want to put a family through that. Wow. So it's not about, I think the big thing about both foster parents and adoptive parents share this, that it's not about, I, I should preface that the good ones. It's not about wanting something. It's about giving something. You don't want to have something. You want to give something, you know, yes, we want a family, but we want to give a child an opportunity to have a life that they otherwise wouldn't have. I saw a quote the other day that was posted online. It was something along the lines of, it's not about trying to get a child, but it's about giving your family to a child. Bingo. That is beautiful. That is beautiful. I think it's something she found, my wife found, and actually uh, Amanda put it on her Facebook page because, my goodness, she's good at that stuff. <laughs> if you go to our Facebook page and you see something posted on there, Nine times out of ten or more, it's her who posted it because she's the one who finds that stuff. I'm not that good at it. But I, I read that one and I thought, wow, that's it's it's not that different of a thing to say in verbs, but in meaning it's a whole different it's world. It's a completely different mindset that a lot of people do not get. They just don't grasp it, they don't think about it. You know, but just changing a few words around, it just changes the entire meaning. Exactly. And it is a different mindset. Um, now, my family is actually from Hawaii, and there's a huge tradition of, of adoption in Hawaii, where an adoptive family would actually consider that child to be above the others. I know that sounds kind of strange, but that's a heavy tradition. And uh, can I be a little non-PC here? Oh, I guess we'll let you. <laughs> Okay. So part of this process when you're going through, a, uh, going through an adoption is you get to choose or have to choose is probably a better word to use. What kind of child you're willing to accept? Yeah. And this is a gut, gut wrencher. Uh, this uh, for a whole host of reasons. Um, and no, no judgment. Please do not attach any judgment to anybody or the process. But it goes from what child, you know, the age of the child that you're willing to accept, you know, um, what race or nationality are you willing to accept? What drug use type and quantity on the part of the mother before getting pregnant and after getting pregnant are you willing to accept? What um, physical limitations of the child are you willing to accept? These are hard, hard questions. And you don't get to put in everything. 
Yeah. <laughs> you have to really <laughs> think of that, too. I mean, that's that's a tough one. I know in, in the foster care system, we were asked if they, you know, to we ask similar questions. Yeah, similar age questions. And race and, and medical issues and and different traumas. But I think they gave us the option. I mean, for us, we said basically we'll accept whatever we can, you know, whatever we can handle, you know, speaking medical wise, you know, a kid that requires 24 hour care, who's on a feeding tube, who needs specialized treatment. We weren't at a place where we were, we felt like we could handle that, you know, safety wise for the, for the well being of the kid. But other than that, we were pretty much, we were pretty wide open. We, we've really learned to kind of hone our, our age range down to kids who are are the age of our youngest or younger, just because that seems to fit in our family better. But, but that's, you know, this is foster care. These kids tend to show up and they hang out with us for a while. Whatever that means a night to a year and a half, two years, but a lifetime choice. That's, that's a big, that's a big step to take. It's a big step. And it's the same, it's the same process. What are we capable of doing? And we're always capable of more than we think, but, Again, it's not just about us and the child. It's family, extended family, the community we live in. How is that child going to fit in? It's, it's not, it's a, it's a terrible thing to think about because we may think everybody is open and we're good with everything, but others may not. Well, that's the thing you still have to do. Ultimately, what is best for that child? Exactly. You know, it's, it's not you, about the you. child. It's, it's everything about them. It's, it's their life that will be shaped forever. The child has to come first. And that is sometimes what makes this so difficult. And then you go from this gut wrenching process and questioning to the waiting. You know, how long are you going to wait? How long are you going to do things? But then there's this really cool thing that happens for adoptive parents. You get, you get the matchup. That's where you're matched. This is where you get a call from the agency or a text or something that says, Hey, we've got someone that is interested in you. And Oh my gosh, you you don't think your heart could explode any bigger than it does. <laughs> um, I mean, I remember exactly where my wife and I were. I remember exactly the time. Um, I can tell you the color of the room and the color of the bed sheets and the furniture and the carpet. And because we were in a hotel, which is really kind of scary, but that's how <laughs> big of a, of a thing it is. And uh, it, it's just an amazing thing when you are matched up and then you get to meet or you get to talk over the phone with your potential birth mother. That's, that's what's amazing. And if all goes well, you're the one. Because again, go back to that hypothetical person you're marketing to. This is a 16-year-old girl that got caught in oops. And her family may or may not, not know about this in some cases. Right? Yeah. yeah. You're looking at her to help you complete your family. Right? I shouldn't even say complete because we're complete as a family, a husband and wife. But it's just a totally different world once you have, once you have children. I mean, it's... Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> it Most has, of the time. <laughs> it adds harmony to the melody. It, yeah, yeah, I like that. Harmony to the melody. Harmony to the melody. It really is. Uh, so that's that's what's interesting. And then actually meeting them for the first time. Um, you know, the nervousness, the 
The, I was going to ask how that I could only imagine being a bundle of nerves and like, you know, just wanting to sell yourself so that you're that one and, you know, second guessing everything and every movement and that had to be absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I, I think I, I, I mean, I, I think we discussed, we were concerned about what are we going to wear? Yeah. You know, um, you know, if you I know, choose where an orange shirt, if she doesn't like orange, you know, I mean, everything. Oh, Yeah. Like, in fact, we know a family that uh, adopted a, 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 a beautiful little boy is quite the football player. And the birth mother chose them because mom was barefoot with a Jack Daniels T-shirt in one of their profile pictures. There you go. I mean. Okay. Yeah. That, that, that sounds like a reasonable reason to make a choice that big. Ours was because of music, and uh, that's a big thing with us. Uh, we have music in the household, and um, I'll just say it: our our religion. Uh, those were the two two number the, the top two drivers for her decision. Uh, she liked where we lived. You know, there were a couple things for in our case, and but it's just gonna it's gonna vary by as many people as there are in this process. Uh, and I, I, I'm going to, our meeting could, could be a whole three hour interview. So that's, that's a different, that's a different animal. We can always come back and do again though. We can do a continuation. (laughs) Oh, I want my wife for that one. I was going to say, I would love to meet your wife. She sounds like an amazing woman. Uh, Oh, she is. She is. She puts up with me too. (sighs) I don't know why. I know the feeling. (laughs) Uh, but here's what's here's what's really cool. We were we were actually in the at the hospital when my daughter was born. My wife was in the delivery room. Oh wow! And I was the guy under the you know heat lamp stolen from McDonald's that kept her warm. You know, in between the nurses doing all sorts of whatever the nurses do to newborns <laughs> on their first day. That was incredible. And leaving the hospital with her was just the most incredible, incredible feeling. Um, now, in most states, they have what's called a reclaim period. Uh, in California, it, it, it was 30 days, but it could be waived down to 24 hours or 72 hours. But those were business hours. <laughs> so now you've brought this child home and you've got this mental thing going on that the mom can reclaim her and we're going to have to give her up. Right. Right. Again, that varies by state. That's a whole other roller coaster. It's just, um, and in our case, it was, it, it turned out to be uh, five o'clock on a Tuesday when that happened. And, and our neighbors were, we had a community, our neighbors knew what was going on and everything. And, um, you know, we're walking on pins and needles during this time. And I remember at 5.01, all of a sudden, the neighbor's trash cans fell over. Someone's music went up. Another one started banging on something. There was just all this noise in our neighborhood. It was like know, the 4th of July. She, oh, but better. But better. <laughs> exactly, but better. Absolutely. That's, wow. that's when our daughter was was ours there's no turning back wow that's of, amazing of course 
Yeah, that's quite the moment to experience, especially having that much community involved around you with it. You know, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have gotten through without our community. Um, in fact, that's I, I I didn't kind of gloss over one. Um, it was so important for us to have community. And one of the things our church, uh, our pastor's wife actually put us in touch with three other couples going through th- similar circumstances. That's what kept us all going. Um, fast forward, uh, we've got four families, six kids. Uh, my daughter's one of the bookends. The other gal is, uh, the upper bookend and it goes from adoption to oops. Uh, and it's it's really in fact we were all on vacation together uh, last weekend so uh it's just a wonderful thing but i don't know how we would have gotten through this process without that group of friends without the people we met in the support group scattered across the country uh without the agency stepping in i i guess what i'm taking a long time to say is it takes a community and what's important is to build that community to work out to be the family that you hope you're going to be. Wow. Yeah. That's a powerful thought. It's a powerful thought. Well, I appreciate you coming on here and telling us this story, Sean. I know you got some time restrictions because you've got a kid that probably expects you to take care of her today. <laughs> In fact, I got to dash out her and pick her up from school. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get you in trouble there. <laughs> Ours have all made it home, so they're yeah. Now they're just worried about dinner. They want food. <laughs> they want food and video games. Yeah, right on. Thank games. You. I have got to run, literally. All right, Sean. Well, I appreciate your time, man. We'll touch base with you again soon. Thanks to everyone for listening all the way through. If you're trying to find us on a specific podcasting platform, just search for Jason and Amanda Palmer or Foster Care and Unparalleled Journey and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, or anywhere where you find your podcast. You can also download it so that you can listen wherever you're at, even when you aren't online. You can find us online at jasonmpalmer.com where you can read our blog, and listen to all of our previous podcasts. If you have a story that you'd like to tell on the show, please send me an email at jasonmpalmer at yahoo.com and be sure to put podcasts in the subject line. Or send me a message through our Facebook page at Foster Care and Unparalleled Journey. We'll see you next time.